Welcome back to the Finance and Accounting Show. And today I have another great guest on. Now, one of the things that a lot of firms are trying to figure out is this dynamic of managing, respecting, and creating this environment where your, your company can thrive as well as your people can thrive. And I will say, it is not an easy task to figure out. So we have a great guest that will be on a good friend that I've met at multiple conferences, and I've loved some of the things that I've seen about that they're posting on social and just the brief conversations that he and I have had about this subject matter. So I want to talk to him to learn a little bit more about what they're doing over at his firm and how they're approaching that. So stay tuned for today's episode. So without further ado, let me bring on my guest, Dan Luthi. Welcome to the show, Dan. How are you? Hey, I'm doing really well. Thanks, Terrell. I really appreciate uh, you inviting me on today. Absolutely. Absolutely. My pleasure. You know, I, I will say is this is probably one of the aspects of, you know, building a business that I did not expect <laughs> is, you know, the joy of just being able to talk to other people, see how they're tackling some, I mean, some issues or some areas that every business has to really face. So like, I will say, this is a joyous part of my job is to say I get to do this. <laughs> Definitely. No, that's awesome. I, I, I've i contemplated doing something similar, but I've always been afraid to dive into it. But it's uh, this is honestly one of my favorite parts of what we do as well, too, and the community that we have. Just being able to talk with other firm owners or other businesses about how they run their business and what they're thinking and what challenges they're running through and just being able to feed off each other to provide different insights and considerations. So totally agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I, I often wonder like before, you know, when people really just looked at building a business as pure competition of other people, it's just like, how did they do it? Maybe that's why, you know, innovation wasn't moving as quickly when it comes down to like how we run the firm, like, how we interact with our staff and stuff. Because if you're constantly focused on how do I outperform my competitors, it's just like yeah. the ability to learn from the community probably was not there as it, you know, as it is now. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, our firm's been around for 15 years and we started out much more isolated from what we are now from a community standpoint. And vastly different approach on how we work with our team internally, how we communicate with our clients, our involvement with the community, so different from, you know, from when we first started 15 years ago. And so um, I like where we're at now a lot more because I feel like um, I feel like we can work through problems faster because we have a community that's probably been through some of those issues or at least has some similarity to it that they can give us some recommendations on. Nice. You know, you know, that, that's a huge honor for me because like I said, we've been in existence a little over three years. So to be able to talk to someone who has much more experience, who has seen many more things, has been through the cycles year after year for 15 years is huge. So tell me a little bit about, you know, the firm and just kind of your role within the firm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so our firm started out as a, a local bookkeeping firm in Utah, which is where we were founded. Um, we did a whole lot of uh, on-site work. Uh, when we, we first began, we started with just the local community, small businesses who didn't need a full-time accountant. Um, after a couple of years, we made a transition to being virtual um, because our clients were honestly complaining about the travel cost that we had to build back to them. 
And so it really pushed us at that point in time to have to start looking at our relationships differently with our customers. And it launched us into an ability to be able to work nationwide and also to have virtual employees. And um, so right now we support about a little over 200 small businesses nationwide. Um, We've got 25 employees that live in about 10 different states. And um, we really focus heavily on still on the transactional style of work, but uh, have pushed into the advisory space as well with some fractional controller and fractional CFO services. And so um, that's been a joy to kind of move the firm through that. My role in this um, pretty much from the beginning has been around the operational side. I love organization. I love putting things in place and kind of breaking down what's causing problems and systems and, and working through it. And so I started out doing that with our clients and have now moved into a role where I just do it for the company as a whole. And so um, it's been fun. I really, I really love doing it. I really love trying to figure out what the big problems are and, and figuring out how to solve them. Now, you know, I'm very curious on, you know, what the emotional shift was like during those early days. And, and, and I asked that because I had a conversation with a, another firm owner and they're trying to figure out like, you know, what they have been doing is most of their relationships with their clients have been like, hey, very hands on. And they're trying to transition to, you know, more of that remote touch and just and still trying to keep the relationship with the client. And their fear is that by us going remote, like we're going to lose clients because it's going to change the dynamic of the relationship. So can you walk me through a little bit of like what were the internal emotions or conversations within the company when you guys transition from like traveling, being there on site to, hey, we're going to do things a little more remote. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I, honestly, and this is the hard to say it right at the beginning is you will lose some clients and it's just because clients have a different f- expectation. That being said, we were able to combat it with the value proposition that we brought to them. And so in most cases, and this is some of the things that we were explaining to our clients from this perspective is when we're on site, we're still in the corner closet working on the accounting and working through those things. In this situation, you know, when we get on a call or we do a video screen session or something like that, that there is a very specific purpose and intent and a value proposition we're bringing to you. We still want to know you personally. That still matters to us. And we carried that over into the the relationships when we transitioned to to screen sharing and and phone calls, but um, we really had to shift the dynamics of our discussions to where it was less about transactional work and more about that value proposition. And that that clients uh, accept that and adopt that because they get more excited about your interaction with them anyways, uh, because you're bringing something that's higher level than what they were used to seeing before. Gotcha. You know, I I think that's from what I my conversation I've had with a couple of people is that that is the part that I think that they struggle with, where you mentioned about like that value proposition changed a bit because one of the things that, you know, the company even said is like they 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 have the sense that their clients are really paying for the FaceTime. Um, So as you kind of change that, you know, that value proposition, I guess. Was it just an introduction of new technology or I guess, did you have to like retrain your staff on how they communicated with the clients? Like, how did you help them go through that transition and seeing like, hey, we're still adding you more value. We're adding more value, even though we're changing how we're delivering. Yeah, we I mean, it's honestly both pieces. It's the it's the internal training aspect plus 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 the technology component. Um, The nice thing about technology is it created opportunity to communicate security. 
to our clients and kind of give them the understanding of how much more secure that information is going to be in a remote um, in a remote uh, data set or you know utilizing a platform like bill to require approval processes to make sure that things don't go out that aren't supposed to be paid um, and clients adopt that very quickly because they get more excited about the confidence that's going to come from the information they get more excited about the the less amount of mail they're going to have to scan as you start shifting things to an electronic format. Um, but from the team standpoint, you're hundred percent right. And, and this is one of the parts that, uh, you know, years ago when what we do wasn't so common as it is today, where there's so much more tools and resources and people are kind of expecting to interact with it more. We had a lot of internal training about, how you have conversations with your clients, how you produce, you know, create a valued situation out of the interaction, how you still need to have a personal connection with them and, and how it's important to be able to kind of create those. And we paralleled it also into our employees working virtually. And so similar to how we were running as an organization, we use that as the, the kind of stepping stone to share with them, like, you, do you see how we manage? Like, I still care about you personally and you still care about me. And we're still worried about making sure that the product is good for each other. We just don't see each other. And I don't interrupt you during the day when I have a question about something near as often. We work a little more asynchronous. And as we move through that process, there's, you know, some people are good with that and some people aren't. And so that was another thing too, that we had to kind of work through some transitions, but we've had some of our employees with us for, you know, almost a decade in um, working kind of consistently with the team and working through the process. And honestly, they're much happier now than they were before because they can also at times put their head down and focus and not have to worry about outside kind of influences. And at that same point, they can show up to the client interaction for those 30 or 60 minute phone calls that they have really refreshed and really specific on what that client needs. And that that's a really different change in mindset that uh, that you can create when you're not just running through bills or you're running through the process on a day to day and chasing from back and forth from things. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. You know, those are some very interesting points. And, and I want to dive a little bit more into kind of something you and I started talking about, you know, but before we started the, you know, the I guess recording the conversation uh, where as you kind of go through that, that change, like, you know, you know, the traditional way of doing business was you're solely focused on the customer or you hear this, this saying that, oh, the customer's always right to where a lot of companies fail to really keep sight of like, hey, how do I also create a value proposition for the people who work in the company? And I know, like said, as you mentioned about, you know, with this change and really helping them see like, hey, how the company interacts with the staff and how you as a leader interact with them. Like, can you tell us a little bit about like some of those conversations, like how that has changed the philosophy on how the company and the leaders interact with the employees and the staff? Yeah, very much so. Um, when we and I think a lot of organizations go through this process and kind of the mindset is you have to make money. Right. Like that's that's a part of this. Like you need to be able to make sure that you're covering overhead. You need to make sure that you're covering compensation and wages for your team raises software platforms, all those kind of things. And when you're running an organization, you often get so focused on those things that you forget that as an accounting firm, even with having software and tools, we're still a people organization. We're still focused on the interaction. We're still focused on 
giving people advice and consulting and everything like that. And that can't be replaced by a robot in a lot of cases because there is just no understanding. There's no algorithms and ways of being able to transition that over to, you know, AI or anything like that as of this point in time. And so we had to take some steps back and really take a deep dive into our employees as a whole and, and finding out what was making them tick. Are we, were we doing a good job with training and making sure they had understanding? Were we a good job finding, defining lines between their personal lives and their work life? You know, when you work in an office nine to five at five, you leave, you turn your computer off, you don't take it home with you. That doesn't transpire when you're working virtually at your house. Um, sometimes people just get, you know, consumed by what they're doing and they have a hard time separating themselves and going through that. And so, we really had to deep dive into, and, and we're still doing this on a regular basis, but diving deep into how our teams interact and how they turn on and how they turn off. And, and also as us, as, as business owners and leaders being really focused around, this is when we need to make sure you're turning things off. And I'm not going to ask you anything outside of this period. And also when a client asks for something that's unreasonable within the time frame we have, I'm the one taking the responsibility to communicate that to the client to help set boundaries. As we start setting those boundaries and expectations, your team starts feeling more confident that you're looking for their benefit as a part of this too, which honestly makes them more the better employees. They're more focused on the value that they provide to their clients. They want to have a good working relationship. They care about the other people who they work with. And it it starts to really change and shift the the dynamics of that interaction and um, everybody just seems to work better uh, overall in that process as well, too. But it takes time and it takes energy and it takes communication to be able to do it. You know, that's an interesting point that you bring about, you know, the, the, the time and the energy that it takes. Because, I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious from the leader's perspective, when you talk about the time and the energy that it takes from the leader, um, I guess, does that include like, I mean, I guess you having to take a step back to really understand the individual employees that you're interacting with, what are their situations? So kind of what does that time and energy commitment look like from the leader's perspective? Oh, I, I love this question because I actually had this conversation with one of our directors yesterday. We actually and I were actually having a discussion about um, where she felt like she can improve and some goals that she wanted to focus on in 2024. And the discussion, how we moved through the discussion, it got to the point of people learn in so many different ways. And people communicate in so many different ways. And like, as a leader, it becomes critical for us to understand that stuff. It becomes critical for us to not just have a very direct approach to what we're doing, but you can do that for some people, you can't do that for other. And so that time investment, it takes time. Like that's not something you're going to learn, you know, in a, in a day, it's not something you're going to learn in two months. It takes time to, to learn how to understand people who are, you know, who learn by writing, people who learn visually, people who learn, you know, all these different kinds, like, and also people who are going through troubles in their personal life and how that's blending into it. All that context kind of builds up to that ability for you to be able to learn how to communicate with them. But it just, it happens over time and, and you have to accept that it's going to happen over time. Like, I don't, I, I wouldn't suggest anybody rush in to trying to figure out a thousand different ways to communicate to people because you have to test in that process. You have to kind of pick and pull of, hey, if I approach in this way, is it going to be successful or not? 
man, I missed. Okay, what do I have to tweak in order to be able to take this step? And but the part that I that we both got to that I loved in the end of our conversation is it all still begins with what your core values are as a leader. Um, and and it has to come from that. Like your desire to learn, your desire to challenge, your desire to build your team has to come from your core values you have individually. And you'll get there faster and connect with people if you understand what those are and you communicate that to people. Even if you don't communicate on the same level of speed or ideology, when people feel that, they approach it very differently. You can get there faster. Now, when you mentioned core values, a lot of people tend to assume that, you know, well, we're not a big company. We don't, we don't really have this huge core value. So I guess for you guys, when you got to that point, did you guys already have what your core values were established? Or did you kind of reach that point and realize like, oh, we, we got to take a step back and we got to like clarify what are our yeah. core values before we can move forward? Well, there's, there's two types of core values that I think are a part of this conversation. One is your own personal. Um, and, and I think that's something that's actually critical for people to understand. I, one of my core values is gratitude. Um, that's not a, one of our company core values, even though it ties into one of our company core values, but that's one of mine. And so showing appreciation, showing you know uh, gratitude for people and, and recognizing that is super critical to me. And so I try to communicate that on a different level when I see our team performing in a certain way. And so I try to show that in each of those pieces that shows connectedness that shows togetherness for people in that space. You know, one of my others is uh, training and education. Like I love that. I love developing myself. I love growing and I love challenging my team to do the same thing because it helps them to expand themselves. Not everybody approaches that the same level as me, but in that piece, when I tie some of those personal core values together, it allows me to communicate intent a lot cleaner and where my heart is at and where my, you know, kind of where my, where my energy moves from, from the organizational standpoint, um, our core values have changed a couple of different times over the years in the, in the way that they've been phrased. Um, we, you know, grit was one of our uh, core values for a really long time. And um, we found that it wasn't a great word for what we were trying to communicate, which was um, really more focused around consistency. Grit seemed like a negative thing in a lot of contexts, which, really wasn't what we were we were trying to move forward with. We were trying to more build something around creating a rhythmic more approach. And so we change and adjust those. But I think knowing those, no matter what size your organization is and believing everybody in the organization understands what those are, helps you to be able to become more unified a lot easier than if you don't know what those are. Gotcha. You know, I, I think that is a very important part that you mentioned about like, you know, how you guys assess, you know, grit not being the right word, or it didn't communicate the right message um, to the people that you guys were communicating. So, and you talked about also just with the iteration. So how did you get comfortable going through the iterations of like, hey, let's, whether it's try this verbiage or let's try this approach or let's try this angle. If it doesn't work, adjusting, because I often feel like that's a piece that accounting firms, as I talk to many of them, especially when it comes like to the area of marketing and, and advertising, where it's like they do not like trying, failing, adjusting and tweaking. Yeah. It's just, hey, we tried. We're not doing that ever again. So how did you guys get comfortable with that trying, adjusting and adapting? I think the biggest part for us was the recognition that when we were choosing words or phrases or having kind of a paragraph, you know, description of what each of the values were, um, 
when we communicated with certain people in our organization, we had to watch how they in, how they connected with it. And and in some cases, it was a, a negative response, you know, and it was in some cases also asking, how do you feel about this word? Like what types of emotion does it stir within you when you think about this? And, and I know that sounds a little bit kind of hokey from that perspective to some people. But for me and for us, it was we actually want our people to and our team to be aligned. We want them to feel like this isn't just a leadership team deciding what these values are, but it's it's in the people that we hire. It's in the way that we interact with each other. It's in the way that we work with our clients. Like all of those things were super critical to us. And so we had to be willing to kind of throw out the bathwater, the baby with the bathwater sometimes to say, this isn't the right fit for us as a company because it doesn't really speak to us as a company. Maybe it speaks to me as a leader, but I'm not the only person in this organization and I have to be comfortable making sure that the company is the primary, not my own feelings. Wow. That is a very good point. And, 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 you know, I I think we could probably talk about that for a very long time, but I I do want to, I mean, I want to be respectful uh, of your time. So I'll ask this question about, you know, you and I have seen each other at different conferences. Um, you know, are there any conferences that you're planning to be at or that you're possibly going to be speaking at where you'll talk about some of these topics? Yeah, definitely. So um, there's, a, there's, of course, a couple of conferences that I'm already lined up to present at this year. I'll be at Scaling New Heights, um, which I'm excited about. Um, I'm speaking with one of my really good friends, um, Corey. We're going to be talking about tech and how that starts with an organization and how you kind of build those pieces around. Um, but we're going to be tying also into the organizational opportunities that it associates with us. And then where we start that in the journey of when you begin kind of your relationship overall with it. Um, I'll be doing a presentation as well at, uh, um, uh, at uh, AICPA Engage this year. Um, there's a few other conferences that I'm planning to go to, but um, the biggest thing for me when it comes to talking about these is if you see me at any conference, I'm happy to have a conversation about this stuff. Um, one of the things that I've found for myself too over the years is when I'm willing to share the journey that we've gone through, it helps me to understand more about where I need to change to adjust to our journey in the future because everybody else has different ideas and experiences. And so hopefully there's something I can glean from you and you can glean from me to kind of help us both to be able to to get better and grow. Awesome. I love it. Now, if people are looking for you online, where should they look or where can they connect with you? Yeah, definitely. So LinkedIn and Twitter are the two places that I uh, I hang out from a social standpoint. Um, just Dan Luthi on on uh, on Twitter. Uh, nice and simple and easy. Um, from a LinkedIn standpoint, it's the same thing. I actually have a little bear in my logo uh, or my name convention. So I, there's a lot of Dan Luthies on LinkedIn, but if you find one with a little bear, that's me. So <laughs> Nice. Uh, and then if people want to learn a little bit more about the firm, um, how do they find the firm online? Yeah, definitely. So our firm is IgniteSpot. Uh, you just go to ignitespot.com. Um, sounds just like it's or spelled just like it sounds. Um but uh, there we have a whole bunch of content and information. And this is one of the things we've always tried to do as well is community is one of our core values. And so the content information we try to provide is more built around helping people to grow small businesses or not and accounting firms and things of that nature. And so um, please go ahead, hit our blog, see if there's anything you can glean from from that space, but also reach out to us if, uh, if you have any thoughts or questions. Nice, nice. Well, a couple more questions. Um, now, in December, you were featured in, or it might have been November, December, you're featured 
in Times Square. So I got the chance to see, you know, your face on the big screen in New York City. How was that experience? So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I was right there with yours, right? Like, so we both we both got to be uh, be put up there. Um, honestly, it was uh, it was exciting, a little overwhelming for myself too. It wasn't something I expected. Um, I I'm super grateful for the team at LifeFlow for for putting us up there and and recognizing us from that perspective and space. But um, you know, you you put your connections with the with the New York City and the the big screen and everything else like that as these movie commercials or big businesses and things like that. And when you see your own face up there, it just makes you feel like you're at least moving in the right direction, Um, that you're, you're trying to do the right thing, that you're helping in some way. And that hopefully um, we're, we're making a difference in someone's life. And that that's really kind of what it did for me was kind of just make me reflect on my career as I've had so far. And also just make sure it matched my goals of what I'm doing going forward. So um I'm super grateful for it. It uh, it made me. Uh, it's it's very humbling. I'll say that. Nice, nice. Now, how do you guys use LifeFlow within the firm, and like, what kind of role has it played for you guys? Yeah, definitely. LifeFlow is really leveraged heavily in our controller level services for our organization. Um, we use it for consolidations. We use it for KPIs and um, and tracking from that perspective as well. Um, the part that we love with it because it directly connects into Google Sheets and it's auto populating the information on a regular basis from QuickBooks. It allows us to also bring other information that's non financial related automatically into those financial sets as well. So we can build different types of KPIs. It allows us to be able to integrate marketing information and other types of context into those Google Sheets to be able to build a centralized dashboard for our customers. And so that's really been one of the heavy places that we focus with it. It's been one of the areas that we put our most emphasis is just trying to create a better visualization for those businesses who are looking for just understanding their business as a whole, not just the uh, not just what's happening in QuickBooks or in Zero. Nice. I love it. Well, one final question I love asking every guest that comes on is like, you know, we've talked about several amazing things. And I think there's a lot of value that anyone can get if they were listening to this episode. So if you were talking to someone saying like, hey, I was on the finance and accounting show with Terrell and you should definitely go listen to my conversation with Terrell. But hey, here are two big things that you should listen for. What would be your two big takeaways? Oh, good question. Um, I think the big two biggest takeaways for me would just be the fact that it's a journey to be able to get where you need to be as a firm. Um, whether you're transitioning from being an on-site or in-person to an online, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. And it takes trial and error and it takes you willing to being willing to learn and to grow. Um, that's one big piece, especially in that transition. The other aspect of it is when it comes to managing your team, um, these are people, these are people you care about and they care about you. And we need to figure out how to make it a good working relationship for both parties in everything that we do. And so um, really focusing on that and treat it the same way as it's a journey, it's a progress, and they should be active in, in helping you shape the way your organization is going forward. Awesome. I love it. Well, Dan, thanks so much for coming on. Definitely, Definitely. a pleasure to have you. I appreciate it, Terrell. Thank you so much.